Never Just a Dog. I'm your host, John Littlefair. And in this episode, we chat with former New York police officer, Rosa Rizzo, as she shares a deeply emotional journey of love and loss with a very special dog called Harmony. I've always wanted to go to Australia. You should come and visit. I so. would love to. I would love to. It's um, so many, many of my American friends want to want to come over and visit. I said, well, I'm here. There's a, there's a room. There's a, there's a cat. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> there's a, my friend went, I don't remember when she went, but she went to some penguin. I love penguins. So there's like this beach or something that she went to that was full of penguins. I just want to go see that. And the animals. I want to see the koala bears. I want to see the kangaroos. There's plenty of kangaroos in well all over Australia. So koalas not they're not native to Western Australia, but they there's like sanctuaries here where they where they have them. You can go and visit and see the koalas. So you were with in the New York Police Port Authority. Port Authority Police, right? Uh, before I was a police officer, I was an educator. I worked for St. John's University and also NYU Polytechnic. And I was a de- assistant dean and then the director of residence life. And my, my early years brought me up from education and I loved what I was doing, but something inside of me wanted to help people more. I always had that drive to be a law enforcement officer. And I was on track for the FBI and the DEA. And then my grandfather passed away. And I just did not have the head to go away for an academy. So I kind of pushed it aside. And I said, if law enforcement's in my card, something will pop up. And I had taken the Port Authority test right after 9-11. I believe it was maybe 2002. Two, I want to say early parts of 2002. And I didn't hear from them for about seven years. And I thought, oh, well, um, I'm done. Um, and previous to that, before my whole federal route, I was accepted into the NYPD, New York Police Department and the corrections. And I also got a job where I was able to work at St. John's and get my degrees, my master's and work on my master's as part of my, I guess, benefits package. So I chose education and that's where my whole education career came up. And then fast forward, I, in 2007, got a letter finally from the Port Authority and there was nothing holding me back. So I said, this is going to be my last chance. I was getting older. I was 30. I want to say 31, going to be 32. So there's a cutoff. There's an age cutoff where you're accepted into the academies up here. So I needed to jump on it. And I went in in August of 2007. And I completed my, I guess, academy training in March of 2018. And that was it. Um, It was a Great career for me. I also taught at the police academy, which I love to do. I love to teach. I was able to get that position. I worked at the Lincoln Tunnel in um, Weehawken, New Jersey. So it was obviously a tunnel that kind of bridges New York and New Jersey together, right down Manhattan, right in the middle of Manhattan. And it was a great experience. It really shaped the person that I am, you know, and how I deal with people and how I see the world. What was your daily role in the Port Authority? 
we basically maintain the traffic going in and out of New York and New Jersey. So the Port Authority borders New York and New Jersey through bridges, tunnels, airports, the bus terminal. So basically it's the transportation between the two states, if if that makes it easier. Plus the World Trade Center and um, we have the New Jersey Marine Terminals as well. I guess, container ships and import-export. So we do deal with a lot of the transportation in and out of the region. So basically my everyday was to maintain traffic, make sure it flowed right back and forth. And remember, this was pre-COVID. So all the traffic getting into Manhattan for work and Broadway shows and dinners and all that good stuff. So we had to make sure the stretch of traffic, uh, the stretch of highway getting into Manhattan was free and clear and aided the people, whether they were in car accidents or medical emergencies, that was our role. And what's unique about the Port Authority is that we hold dual power. So we are police officers in New York and New Jersey, which is what separates us from the NYPD, who technically is just New York, or a small town in New Jersey who just can execute powers in New Jersey. So we have a dual role. That's a, that must've been a massive role because I'll think about, like I live in Perth in Western Australia and our population is so low. The whole of the state of Western Australia is just a little bit over maybe two, 2.2 million. And so we think about traffic in Perth and you go, wow, it's uh, it's pretty busy. But then I've been to New York twice and around that area and I go, Wow, this is crazy huge flat out. So well done. Did you yeah. um you get used to it? <laughs> I know I actually grew up in a little farm uh four hours south of Perth. So uh for us um traffic was watching two trucks go by. Caught up wow. in caught up in traffic. Oh, there's two trucks go by, so it's just <laughs> and then to go and travel um through America and obviously around around New York, it's like this is uh this is immense. This is bad, but I loved it. I absolutely love it. Love it. It's such a such a buzz there. Were there any? Let's say, with um, the Port Authority, did you have like a dog division as well? Did you use any type of um, say sn- sniffer dogs or rescue dogs? We do. We have a really really intense program that we get our dogs from, and it's the canine handlers. There is a canine division, and it's part of our special detail. And there are. I'm retired about two years now, so I don't know exactly how many people there are, but there are uh, probably about 15 teams, handler and canine, and we work with them all the time. They were great. You know, the dogs themselves are so, so smart and so playful too, believe it or not, when they were kind of off duty, when they would come and visit. And when they weren't on a nece- like an actual call, they were so playful. They were great, 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 great teams. Yes, we do. We do have them. And they were bomb sniffing and drug dogs. So on your lunch break, did you jump next door to that division just so you could ever play with the dogs? I did. Every time they came around, I would jump on the chance to speak to see them. And, you know, 
people that I worked with personally moved on to that division. And when they would come back and visit or go to court, they would have to bring their dog with them. So they bring the dogs back and forth. They keep the dogs at home. It's like their their animal. And if they were coming in for court, obviously the dog's not necessarily working per se, but they're on duty. So we would bring them into the command in our little area where we would have dinner or lunch and like our, and we would just let them loose and play with them. And I definitely fell for the dogs all the time. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to on break for a second. And then I, there I was playing with the dogs. It wouldn't be hard to find you. So we need to, we need to track Rosa down. We know exactly where she's going to be over there. Yeah. The dog's in the building. There, there she is. (laughs) So how did your dog Harmony come into your life? Well, uh, in 2006, um, my ex-partner and I, at the time, we lived together in Brooklyn, and we had been talking about getting a dog. And, you know, at first I was hesitant because I was like, oh, it's a lot of responsibility. I don't know. I had, my grandparents had a dog, and my aunt had dogs, and I we had dogs growing up, but never my personal dog. So when we were talking about it, it was like, well, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe we will. And I was kind of hesitant. So one day we were walking around New York City and it was in the village and there was this little pet shop and we walked in and my ex was looking for a specific breed, a Havanese, and nobody really heard of it, you know, and it was originated in Cuba and they were hyperallergenic and we walked in and they had several Havanese's and there was one in this little window and she was so shy and she was so timid. And then we took her out and she just sat there and just kind of looked up and gravitated towards my ex. And she's like, I'm not leaving her here. We're taking her home. And she was the sweetest little thing. And I was trying to convince her, no, maybe we should wait. Maybe she, and, and I looked at her little face and I was like, okay, Okay. How much? <laughs> Let me put her on the card. We bought her and and I have to say now having had her for 14 years and through the years, you know, she was a sick pup. We bought her sick, not knowing. So going through all that and and looking back, I know it's adopt don't shop. Right. And yes, and it is so important to go out there and adopt a dog that needs a home because there are so many dogs that that need homes. But in my mind, after all that we've been through with Harmony, I feel like we did save her life because she was definitely from a puppy mill. She was ripped from her mom when she was young. And, you know, we took her home and she was coughing and sneezing and she had kennel cough and then she, it wound up getting pneumonia she got, wound up getting pneumonia and literally took her to the vet that week literally the first week we had her and they were like you, you're gonna have to think of euthanizing her and I was like you figure out what you got to do because this dog's coming home with us you can't tell me that there is no steps in between that you're gonna just euthanize her that's not acceptable to me. So figure out what you have to do to get my dog home. And, and that's basically how it was. And we promised her, you know, from that day forward, if she fought for us, we would fight for her. And no matter what, we were advocates for her throughout her whole life. And, um, until her last day. 
they can't speak, you know, and they depend on you, these humans, to make decisions for them and be their voice. You know, there are so many dogs that need a voice or animals, you know, and if you can be an advocate for somebody and, and at least change one person's life or one animal's life, I mean, that's pretty, pretty good, you know. How did Harmony get her name? Was it something that you had picked out already? I did not. My ex uh, picked out the name because she was so zen-like. She was so sweet and so, like, (sighs) she was feisty. She had a little feisty side to her. But she was so um, easygoing. Like, she was so, like, she just brought a sense of calm around you. So like that, she was our harmony, you know, like it was just, I've never seen such a sweet dog, such a smart dog. And so in tune, her intuition was on point. That dog must've been a human in her past life because she, she's looking back, you know, 2020 hindsight of certain things, And when she passed, we spoke to an animal communicator and the things that the animal communicator said was like mind blowing to me and how this dog understood, really, truly understood and was compassionate and was so in tune to us as humans. It was mind blowing. She was our little Zen. You know, she has always had, she, she developed I, ITP, immunotychos, thrombocytopenia. I don't really know how to say it. It's I, ITP. And it was a disease where her immune system basically attacked her platelets and it kind of depleted them, almost like she would bleed out, you know? Um, again, she went through a couple of bouts of this. So we were always on top of her health, 1000%. There was nothing like she, she stepped off on her left foot or her left paw instead of her right paw. We were taking her to the vet, you know? So, and in back in March, literally before COVID, like right when COVID was happening, um, my ex had her and I know people think we were crazy we would alternate two weeks at a time and kind of share custody of harmony and people thought we were nuts but you know what it worked for us neither one of us the love that both of us had for that that little baby was intense and so immense that neither one of us was going to give her up to the other and we also wanted what was best for harmony as a child right because we don't have children so Just like a child, why can't we shift off every two weeks? So that's what we did. And we did it for a very long time. And, you know, my current fiance, you know, understood that. And thank God she was compassionate and understanding. And she saw the love that I had for Harmony and how special she was, because even she had a a special bond with Harmony that even I didn't understand, you know, the things that she would do with my 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 fiance are just like wow she doesn't do that with me you know so there was a bond there too so we i we were going to florida and my ex had her and she was coughing and choking and she called me and harmony had developed a heart murmur 
when she was a little younger and we had always been on top of it. And, you know, it got a little bit, uh, I don't want to say worse, but it was more um, prevalent in her later years, but we were told she was okay. And, you know, us now, my ex is a naturopath and she's into health and she's always on top. She harmony was more organic than anything. Like literally we cooked steak and chicken for her every night. So she was on all sorts of supplements and everything to supplement all her organs while she was on prednisone, you know, because we needed to suppress her immune system. And so she developed this little cough and it was like she was choking. And then when my ex brought her to the vet, I panicked because I was at the gate ready to bar the flight. And I told the people at the gate, I'm like, I need my luggage back. I got to go. I got to go home. And I just heard the words from the vet. She's, she has congestive heart failure. And I just almost literally fell to the ground. And I just got on in my car and we went straight to the vet. And that was in March of 2020. And that's when COVID hit. So I luckily got um, a week later, got furloughed. But that week I, I flew my mother up from Florida because I was like, there's no way this dog is going to be home on her own. I need to get my mom here so that she can stay with her all day. So then I got furloughed and I sent my mom back home because we didn't know what this COVID was about, right? So I didn't want my mother stuck here and God forbid something happened. So I was able to be on furlough and be with Harmony every single day for those last three months of her life and take care of her because I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to do that, you know? And that's the one blessing of COVID for me, for me. Um, so she got sick and unfortunately the medicines that she was on depleted her kidneys. And so her heart got strong, 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 strong. Like I said, because my ex was, is a naturopath and we did all these supplementations to get her heart strong, but couldn't help her kidney her kidneys because once the kidneys get destroyed it's hard for that to come back and ultimately harmony had kidney failure which she got very weak and very sick and she was 14 pounds in march and she was seven pounds the day that she died you know so that's for three that's only in three months and that was that was pretty drastic so you know we had to make that tough decision to to put her to sleep um, and it wasn't a decision that we took lightly, you know, it was, it was very, very hard. And that little baby fought and we fought for her and, um, just quickly in the resilience in this dog and the spirit that she had to fight, you know, we both believe that she fought for us as much as she was so sick. Um, her heart, so we took her to a park to um, euthanize her because neither one of us wanted to do it in our homes because we didn't want that being a memory there, right? That a place where she was always protected and safe and let that be the last memory. So we took her to a beautiful park under a bench, under a tree, and the vet, you know, said that we were making the right decision because driving there, to be honest with you, I would have turned right around and, uh, went home and um, he said we were making the right decision. And it took him 
three times the amount of medicine, whatever medicine he puts in them to put her to sleep. It took her 17 minutes. He said, oh, once I put the shot in her, she'll be relaxed. And then the second shot, it'll take three to five minutes. And it took her 17 minutes until her heartbeat stopped. So at the end, her heart was strong and it was beating. And I believe she was beating for us, you know, and all I can take away from that is that love that she had for us. So after Harmony passed, what, what did life look like for you? My whole world stopped. You know, um, I get upset over it because my world revolved around her day in and day out. My schedule was her schedule. I revolved my schedule around her medicines and around her feeding and everything was about her. And I basically left my house for, for like two weeks because I just couldn't. The day after she passed, I packed up the stuff that I didn't have meaning to, you know, and I donated it to a, a um, animal rescue. Um, the woman up the block from me worked at a um, animal rescue shelter for older dogs, you know, uh, that needed some stuff. So I donated a lot of her stuff to the shelter and I felt like that was a gift from Harmony to them, you know, as a legacy almost in my mind, you know. And that made me feel good. But after that, I basically left my house for about two weeks. I couldn't go home um, because it was so painful. You know, it was painful to be there by myself. And there in that moment, I decided, you know, I had always talked about selling my house and getting a home that was a little bit more friendly for my mom and grandma that, you know, I had a lot of steps to my home and that was more friendly. And I just decided... I'm going to sell my house. This is not a home to me anymore. You know, it's just a house now. It's a, it's a shell. And coming home and not hearing the pitter-patter of her little feet and waiting for me at the top of the steps when I got home, um, it just was empty for me. So I needed to let go of that emptiness, that loneliness, because coming home to me was lonely and empty now. You know, there, here's this beautiful creature who's been there for you from, for everything, the ups, the downs, the, you know, shin splints through the academy, the heartbreak, the, you know, the different jobs, the different apartments, talking to her about my day. And I used to talk to her like she was a little human. Come on, Mama, let's go watch TV now. Come on. And Mama, come on, let's go wash your paws. And she would run to the bathroom and jump into the bathtub. You know, it was like my little pal. You know, my ex used to call her her sunshine. She used to sing my little sunshine to her all the time. And, you know, the Elton John song, Harmony. And, you know, so she, um, she <laughs> sang to her. We watched TV together. Yeah, I would talk to her all the time. Like, Okay, so 
tonight we're going to do this and then we'll go visit grandma and, and we're going to go to stay, stay hi to Nonna. And, you know, and she just knew it was like, I was talking to my friend and just by her motions and her mannerisms, her tail, her ears, her face, like her eyes, she was so expressive that she was talking to me. She wasn't speaking, but that was our language. We totally understood each other, you know, and that's, that's the depth of the relationship that people don't understand when you lose some an animal. And that's the part you grieve. You grieve your best friend. You grieve your soulmate. You grieve that part. And people say, oh, I'm sorry, you lost your dog. And, you know, they don't talk about it. They don't really know what to say. But it's it's that's my little baby human. My little that's my baby in human forms for you like that that's what i equate it to you know so life after harmony was so hard i struggled a lot and i'm still in grief i'm still you know i'm grateful to have a support group that we can speak to and some friends you know we, we've met for a mutual friend barbara hooked us up together and you know we've had a support system and, you know, my fiance has been excellent and I'm still in contact with my ex and, you know, we talk each other through it's, it's, it's a difficult process to go over, you know, or to deal with. And it's not easy. It Like she's not just a dog, never, but it, because it's deep, there's this deep connection on so many levels that you can only experience if you've had an animal and you treat them. Look, there's people that treat animals like an animal. And then there's people that treat uh, animals like family and harmony was family. And to me, like I said before, it was like losing a child. You know, this is, this is a deep grief. It's a deep heartache. It's like breaking open my heart and shattering it into pieces constantly and some days I'm good and some days I am completely beside myself you know it's almost like time goes on but my time with her is frozen it's like frozen and so ingrained in my memory and in my heart that it's like that time to grieve, it's just, you can't, you can't put a, you can't put a timeline on it because all her memories is frozen for me in time. So it's way too, it's infinite for me. That time with Harmony is infinite to me, even though it was 14 years and it was finite, but that time for me is like just frozen, you know? I, it's hard for me to explain it, but it's like, think about, it's like any traumatic event. It just, it's that that one minute in your time or whatever it is, it's just frozen and it's vivid and it's solid and it's, you just pull on that, like, and it shapes you. So my time with Harmony is frozen in that, it will still continue to shape me even though her her soul lives in me and in my heart and in my my 
my body and I and now I've got a tattoo to prove it like she's always going to be my co-pilot but it's like I'm drawing on that time that I've had with her that's so frozen in my mind or ingrained in my mind that the depth of my grief goes that far deep too if that makes sense and it's and it's hard to explain that to people you know and it's hard to talk about it sometimes but i i i love to share harmony's memory because she was such an amazing little creature to me you know she was a smart little funny um smart ass little thing she really was you know like <laughs> if you, so if she was hungry or she wanted a treat, she would go down her little steps. I, I had these little steps on her couch so she wouldn't have to jump down as she got older, right? And she would go to my little closet, my pantry, where she knew all her treats were, and she would scratch on the door. Scratch on the door, okay? I'd be sitting on the couch in the other room, and she would look at me first. And she'd go down her little steps, go scratch at the door. And if I didn't get up right away, and I would do this on purpose, I would wait for her to come back to me and look <laughs> at me and wag her tail, right? And then she would do this thing with her head, like, <sighs> like flail her head back, like, why are you making me wait? Hello? Give me attention. I want a treat. And I would go... Oh, you are something else. You are something else. And and then I would get a treat, and then she would do every trick in the book. I taught her when she was a baby, who's the cutest dog? And she would raise her paw so high that she would knock herself over. And it was the cutest thing. It was the cutest thing. And then she, you know, she used to do dance dance. She used to be on her back paws, and she would spin around and... Roll, not even roll over and I would say lay down and then I would say wipe your nose and she would wipe her nose with her paws so when you would get a treat I would always ask her to do something so before I even asked she just would do it she would just do who's the cutest dog <laughs> she'd get on the floor down she would crawl and then she would wipe her nose like all in all in one shot. And I was like, you are such a brat. You are such a brat. Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry, Harmony was boss of that, your house. Oh, she was. If Harmony, if, if Harmony would have said you need to change the kitchen cabinets, I would have been like, all right. She, I mean, she, she ran the house. She ran the house. And it's like, you know, when it was time for bed, all right, everybody, and nobody was allowed to sit on her spot in the couch. And if you, if somebody accidentally sat on the spot on her couch, she would huff and puff. And by huff and puff, I'd mean <laughs> and flip her head back. She would be pissed, and then she would look at them and sit right in front of them on the on on the carpet, waiting for them to move. She just she was so set in her ways too. I mean, she had some personality. You know, yeah. they can read you when you're upset, when you're happy, <clears throat> everything. That's your foundation right there. That's your that's your home. It, it centers you. Harmony, you know, and 
everything melted away when you just looked at her face when you came home. You know, it's just because, you know, she's, they love you. They love you unconditionally. There is that love that you experience that, that once in a lifetime feeling with this little animal, you know, and that little soul in there. And it's, it's unexplainable, but yet so real and so deep and so connected. And so like, you can't, you, you, you can't replace it. It's irreplaceable. And grief, whether it's a human or an animal during COVID, not being able to necessarily see people and be around peers and get that, get that social aspect of maybe helping along with your grief, you know, helping along with being other people. You're isolated. Some people are isolated. Some people are by themselves. And it is horrible for people at this time dealing with grief and being by themselves. You were living in New York, in Manhattan, or just out? No, I was living in New Jersey. In Jersey. So that's across the bridge? Right across the bridge, across the tunnel, whichever one. You could take either one. Um, yes, I, and I moved there to, for work, it was just easier for a commute and I bought a house. So for me, it was just easier, um, to do that. And then I moved up here to Connecticut, life after harmony, uh, into my fiance's apartment for now until we figure out what our next move is. It's not far. It's about one hour from New Jersey. And it again, it's it's probably about an hour and 10 minutes away out of Manhattan either. Also, it's not far. It's a little bit north of Manhattan. Did you retire completely from the police force? I did retire. I had to retire because of my injury. I got hurt. So that forced me to retire. And now I am a training sergeant. I love I love education. You know, I don't know. It just constantly brings me back. You know, I you, I came from education. I taught when I was in St. John's and I taught college level courses. I spoke at national level conferences. I taught when I was a police officer. We taught recruits and I'm still teaching. I think that that's, I thrive being able to, I guess, impart knowledge on others and being able to almost be like a mentor role. You know, I I like doing that kind of stuff. Thanks so much for joining me today, Rosa. Look after yourself and, and uh, through your journey and make sure you stay warm over there as well. Absolutely. I appreciate and so grateful and thankful for having this opportunity. It's been great chatting with you. I'll do it again if you need me to.